0: Hi, my friends, and welcome to today's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so glad that you are here. Happy Holy Week from me and the whole team here at Forte Catholic. We hope that you are enjoying it and are ready to celebrate Triduum and Easter to celebrate the old risen Jesus. We're all very excited around here. We hope that you enjoy today's episode with Catherine Whitaker. We talk a little bit about Holy Week specifically in connection with her recent trip to the Holy Land, the places that we hear about all throughout Holy Week and all of the readings is where Catherine spent um, almost two weeks going to uh jerusalem and bethlehem and nazareth and all these beautiful places um she's going to share how the trip has changed her um, spiritual life how it's uh, changed how she reads the scriptures here's uh, especially a lot of the things that we've heard on palm sunday and this holy week um, but also how it changed her mentally and physically as well we hope that you enjoy that later on in the show we're going to talk about how you don't have to go to the holy land in order to have an experience with God. We talk about um, the the story of the burning bush and how uh, God is present wherever we are. He's present in our work. He's present um, here in this room. He's present wherever you are listening and watching this right now. And often we don't recognize him because we're either too busy or we're just not in a place where we expect to experience God. Uh, So we hope that, um, that you'll really enjoy this episode. Without further ado, here we go. Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Catherine Leandro Whitaker.
1: How are you, Catherine? Good. I'm good. I'm happy to be here.
0: Good. I'm glad that you're back. You went on a very, very fancy trip, but first, my, my name appears first in the show. We're going to talk about my trip. Is that okay with you? <laughs>
1: Well, since I'm the one who invited him is invited to be here. Yes. I guess I'll let you go first, Taylor. Okay. 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 So, uh,
0: we, we've got, I mean, people that are listening to this, watching this already know that we're talking about your trip to the Holy land, but I went, I went on it, you know, and you were gone for like, I don't know, it seemed like two whole weeks, pretty close. Um, I was gone. I did my quickest ever turnaround ever for any trip ever. I got on a plane at six in the morning, right here in Aguiland, good old college station. And I, and I got on a plane back at noon the next day. I went to South Dakota and back in like 33 hours.
1: <laughs> and also to two extremely remote airports. It's not like yeah, you flew yeah. from like New York to LA or like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. They were,
0: it's very funny for me when everybody's like, Oh yeah. Our airport's so small. How'd you get here? And I'm like, our airport is literally one gate. Pre-COVID, it was two gates. There was a United gate, right. an American gate. United left. They're like, this place is pointless. We're not staying here. So uh, I, it was great. So people, there were five whole gates in South Dakota. And they were like, oh, oh. our airport's so small. I was like, it's five times as large as mine. <laughs> You're like,
1: I actually have you beat." Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was such a quick turnaround. I, I'm like still exhausted. We're recording this on the Monday after I got back then the Monday after you got back from your trip and I'm exhausted just from my little 33 hour trip. So I can only imagine how you're feeling after your two weeks of the Holy land. But, um, this
1: is why I have this Taylor sonic, what, what's in sonic. it, uh, Sonic. pure alcohol. <laughs> um, well, because it's a family friendly show. Is it, is it a family friendly show? It's vanilla, Dr. Pepper. I promise I don't have anything more in there. Not yet. It's, it's not quite. Yeah. It's not five o'clock here. I would,
0: I would be drinking if I didn't have to go to track practice immediately following this. So, <laughs> um, But I, I went up for a junior high youth rally. This is for people who are tracking. I it was, it was, Oh, actually, I didn't even realize this connection. This is the event that you helped me plan for three months ago. Remember when you oh, and I like, worked out cancel culture stuff? Yes, you wrote my talk. Remember that? Yes. Three months I ago? I do remember
1: that, yes.
0: I, I don't know if you remember, and I don't even know if the listeners remember, because it was three months ago, but I was so excited for that, and I was going up to South Dakota for the first time. I was going to give this br- brand new talk that you wrote for me that I was just going to give and say it was mine, and that's that That trip got canceled because of snow. It, it was like a huge snowstorm. So here?
1: I, snow, snow there, not here. So, yeah, well, yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah. uh, So I couldn't like all my, my flights were getting canceled and they ended up having to cancel the event, too, because it was like a lot of snow for South Dakota, not just a lot of snow for this Texan. Right. Um, uh, So this was like a makeup event. So I went and did junior high youth rally. I ended up giving a, like a version of that talk. I, you know, I was going to say, say, how d- did my talk go? Uh, it went pretty well. I dumbed it down. Uh, and like, oh, okay. At, at first, it was like we already had dumbed it down because it was your talk and I was going to give it to high school students, and me giving right. your talk is already dumbed down. But I dumbed it it's down weird. even more for the junior high kids, right? Uh, but I had a blast. Uh, usually, junior high kids uh, annoy me. Like, I refuse to coach them because, like, and like walk with them. Like, I'll go in and do events. I'll be like the private guy, you know, like, hire me, come in, I'll do the thing. But then, like, I'm not like gonna i'm walking with high schoolers like that's that's i I just know this about myself right but they threw what i think might be the coolest junior high lock-in that i've ever been to there was like lights and uh uh the the setup for it they had uh, what are those called the uh have you seen those things where you put on like the the big bubble soccer is that what it's called you see oh, that? It's you like put, like, a big ball. bubble around yourself? It's yes, like yes, a yes, hamster yes, yes. ball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I got to go in and I, I gave a talk and I led worship, but I also just got to hang out with them. We, I was there till three in the morning because there was a lock-in that ended at seven and at three you a.m. You were I was trying like, oh, to I'm stay awake out. for
1: all, or were you trying to stay awake for all 30 hours of this trip, Taylor? Is that what yeah, you were trying to
0: do? Not quite. Cause I was able to sleep in the next day. I got a solid seven hours of sleep after going to bed at three in the morning. Cause like going to bed at three in the morning, isn't all that weird for me. <laughs> so like I was actually able to do it pretty well. Uh, now granted, whenever I wake up, or whenever i stay up till three in the morning i haven't woken up at four forty-five that morning which is what i had to do yeah. that day to get on, get on the plane so i was pretty tired by the end mm-hmm. of it but um we had such a good time they put on such a good show they had they had that they had like uh uh all sorts of games and fun and there was like 70 kids there and they just had an absolute blast and your talk went well uh and then i got to fly <laughs> back the next day with my first class upgrade i uh I didn't have Dr Pepper on the flight back cuz it was all free and comp, it was very nice.
1: Wow, first grade, first class upgrade feels kind of bougie there, Taylor. Was I know it's
0: the, it's the only place in my life that I don't feel poor, but just cuz I just <laughs> I have just racked up enough miles and status with American that uh every now and then I get to feel fancy going from a one gate airport to a five gate airport. To a five <laughs> Okay, enough about me. We're we're primarily here today to talk about your trip to the Holy Land. I think it's perfect because we've got we're here in Holy Week, which every year on the show we call Holy W E A K because we're just all kind of limping into it. But you went to the Holy Land right before Holy Week, Uh, so. Was it a 30-hour turnaround? Did you get upgraded to first class? Did you drink a lot of Dr. Pepper? <laughs> These are the things that I want to know about your trip
1: to... Well, you know. as you were talking about American, I kind of feel like American is dead to me. That was the airline that we flew out, but we actually didn't because they messed up our flight. So I got to fly three different airlines to get there and back. But yeah, we were there um, just a couple of weeks. I mean, we just have been home a week and a half. Is that right? Yeah, we've been home a week and a half. So it was 12 days in the Holy Land. So we started in Tel Aviv and then... went up yes everyone's favorite city in the middle (laughs) hey hey but can I say this I first of all the media has done a terrible job of showcasing the holy land because I was prepared to be like on alert and nervous and I was really concerned about flying into the Tel Aviv airport and like they had talked us through like these are the things that you need to know about security so I was I don't want to say freaked out, but I was definitely more concerned. And we get there and I'm like, is this Miami? Because it was basically like Miami, but with Israelis. And they were so kind and so nice and nothing was at all what I thought it would be. It was beautiful and stunning. And my daughter and I, she's 17, she went with me. We walked around Tel Aviv the whole day by ourselves and never once was on nervous. It was quite lovely. So started there, went up to Galilee to the northern part of Israel, then kind of came back toward um, Bethlehem over into Palestine and then ended in Jerusalem. So we took day trips to places like Nazareth and other things like that in the Dead Sea. But for the most part, those are the places that we stayed, Galilee, Bethlehem, and Jerusalem. So, I mean, I don't even know where to start, Taylor. It was life-altering. And I I don't use that word lightly. I've been amazing places. We've been to Italy. We've been to Europe before. But I don't even know how to explain what it's like to be in the same places, really, that we're walking through in Holy Week, like Palm Sunday. I looked at my daughter, and she went to the earlier Mass, and she goes, go with God, Mom. (laughs) So I was like, it was that intense. And she said, yeah, buena suerte. Hope hope you do okay. And um, it was intense. So I suspect that it will never, nothing will ever be the same. In all the best of ways, but nothing will ever be the same. Scripture, the way I pray, all of it.
0: We'll get into that serious stuff, but I think I saw something. I could be wrong. I think I saw another way that you got permanently altered. Is that correct? I did.
1: This is when watching YouTube comes in handy. So there's one. Oh, just
0: flexing on the camera, huh? Yeah, there's one.
1: (laughs) And then this one's upside down, but that's the second one. So the one on my arm is, for me, the one on my... Um, wrist. I guess is for me the one on my arm. Uh, my daughter and I actually got matching tattoos.
0: Oh my goodness! You are you are not a tattoo person in my brain. And I, now you said the trip is life altering for you. It's life altering for me because now I have to like shift my view of you as a tattoo person. I'm a
1: tattoo. So one like- of the. I said on Instagram, I was like, I guess I'm that Catholic person now who loves Jesus, cusses a little, and has tattoos. <laughs> so here well, we are.
0: Now you need to. Now you need to. Uh, Play guitar, become a worship leader and, uh, you know, wear like a three quarter T-shirt so that whenever you say, all right, everybody lift your hands, the shirt comes down a little and then you can see your tattoo. You're like, oh, she has a past. That's that's what you need to become now. That's who you are in my mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to give up the dream of the guitar and the singing because that's never going to happen. <laughs> You sound I, and play just like every other Catholic musician. <laughs> well, just maybe pop in like some, you know, uh, like I can lip sync like Millie Vanilli and then I can show off my tattoos. Yeah. I never.
0: I love how I'm I, upgrading I, you to cool in my brain. And then you drop a very hip Millie Vanilli. Milli Vanilli reference. <laughs> I only know who that, or I only know what that is because Allison Sullivan has also dropped that name on this show probably four years ago, and I'm like, "What is that? I don't even know what that is," and I only know it because Allison explained it to me, and I couldn't tell you anything about it.
1: I'm so glad I have Allison to back me up. Plus, she's got the half sleeve. I mean, she's like really rocking the tattoo. No, I mean, I thought about it for a really long time, years, in fact. And my husband and I talked about it. Um, My daughter and I prayed about it. Like it just. It felt right to do it, and I know some people have really strong opinions, pro and con, Um, but for me, it was really meaningful, and... I don't regret it and I'm so glad that it's permanent and it's, I smile every time I look at my tattoos now. I never thought I would, these are things that Catherine never thought she would say, particularly on like in a public forum, but I certainly (laughs) never thought that I would ever say them. I think I have some family members that may not be talking to me. We'll find out soon, but, uh, I love it. I don't regret it at all. I didn't
0: need tattoos to make that a reality.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did that all
0: on my own. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so explain explain the tattoo. So you have one on. I, I can't even really see it because you're so far away from me. I'll see it when we're editing. But for the people, especially yeah. for the people listening, when you have one on your wrist and one on like your bicep for whenever you yeah. flex. Uh, yeah. So explain explain the wrist one. That you said that's not the one that's matching your daughter. That's just for you. Correct. Explain the one on your wrist. So-
1: It has, it's the Jerusalem cross, which is the big cross with the four on each corner. So symbolizing uh, Jerusalem is the center of our faith and that it spreads to all four corners of the world and also the four uh, main gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then it's surrounded by um, Avi and then it's got three crowns on the top. And then the one on my bicep. Um, is the Holy Spirit. So it's the dove in kind of three different forms that Annalore and I got. So why we chose earth, those earth, were, wind, and fire. <laughs> that's right. Why we chose those, we're we're choosing to keep that private. But um I love that we shared and we wow. actually got that tattoo on our arms. We actually got that one at the same time. So the um the place where we got them, I think this is significant. I think it's a a bigger part of the story. So Razuk Tattoo has been tattooing pilgrims for seven hundred years in Jerusalem. So since thirteen hundred, and it's in its twenty eighth very old. <laughs> they're in their twenty eighth <laughs> generation of family members. Like wow, it's impressive. So the dad was the who's the twenty seventh generation is who gave me my tattoo, and it was his son um, who's the twenty eighth generation who gave Anna hers. So that sort of seemed appropriate and yeah. pretty lovely. Yeah. I love the significance of that. Yeah.
0: So going back to the one on your wrist, the cross. why, why does it have three crowns on the top whenever Jews just wore one?
1: Um, well, so they have, they actually have stamps. So that's what makes them unique is that they have a stamp and these stamps are ancient 700 years. And so they stamp you with the tattoo and then they tattoo it on you. And so that's the way, uh, uh. The meaning of that stamp meant a lot to me uh, personally. And so that's the one that I chose to do. So you can remove any part. Like you can put two or three different stamps together. You can make them bigger or smaller or whatever you want to do. So yeah, I chose it to put it there and I like the size and I love all the things on it.
0: So the stamp is, the the cross is the stamp? I don't get the three, why there's three crosses. That's their, like their stamp?
1: That was their, like the way that the stamp comes is that way. like. I I think below it, it had the words Jerusalem and then I had them. I said, don't tattoo that part. I don't want that part on there. Um, so you can, they have hundreds of stamps that you can take and like put them together or take one thing off and put something else. So you can sort of create your own permanent inking, however you want it to look. So I like the way that one looks. So that's what I chose.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. Now that we spent half the time talking about your tattoos, let's talk about you know actual faith in the Holy Land. The so, Holy Land stuff. Uh, you said you went to Bethlehem and Nazareth. Let's start at the. You said I don't know where to start, so let's start in the beginning of Jesus's life. <laughs> so Bethlehem and Nazareth. What uh, you went there? What were what were your biggest takeaways from uh, Bethlehem and Nazareth from the Christmas story as we head well into one. The
1: whole week? <laughs> And I think I knew this going into the Holy Land experience, but I don't think that it really sunk in until we got there. So the way that it works, if you go with a group that's Catholic, is that wherever you celebrate Mass—so, for example, when we celebrated Mass in Bethlehem at the Church of the Nativity, you actually celebrate the the readings are from that particular mass meeting. So we did the Christmas readings in Bethlehem, which is really meaningful because like when we were in Bethany, we did the readings about Lazarus, uh, where he was oh, raised cool. from the dead. So you're not necessarily doing the daily readings, unless, of course, it's a Sunday. But so that makes it even more, you're already like hyper aware of where you are, and then you read the readings of the place where the thing happened, and that's when your mind kind of gets blown. So. I think I was surprised at how deeply that would resonate with me. I think I kind of knew that there's a special like magnificat holy Land, like accompanying God that you can take with you that have all the readings in there that you can sort of follow along. but I don't realize I don't think I realized how much that was gonna hit you know in the deepest part of my heart. um also, the world is small, so we roll into the church in Bethlehem and I look up and I'm like. Is that Father Jared? And he's a priest in our diocese here in Austin. He was there with some guys from his ministry program at Our Lady of Wisdom. And I sort of knew that he was in the Holy Land. But to be, we live 45 minutes away from each other and to fly all the way over to Israel and turn around and see like someone that you know kind of blows your mind a little bit that you're in some ways sort of following the same. And and the church all of a sudden feels very small. Big church, you know, feels really small. So those you, were you a had that things. in the
0: Catholic context. I was the only time that's ever happened to me is on ski lifts. I'm on a ski lift and I look down, I see somebody from my hometown. I'm like, "Hi, hey, how are you doing down there? Just wave. And that's it. So no spiritual meaning just, a Hey, no look, spiritual.
1: there's somebody from my neighborhood in Colorado. <laughs> it kind of, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And then just, just having the, the group of pilgrims that we went with, there were 33 of us, which I thought was a significant number. Um, but I don't we were we were from all different places and stations in the world, uh, from seventeen all the way to seventy. And so sometimes you think like, I don't know how this is all gonna work, how everyone's gonna get along. But there was a real receptivity of everyone that was there, like people that were being patient with others that needed a little bit more time. Um, No one was annoyed that we had like these teenagers with us. We had a 17 and a 19 year old with us. And it was just this real beautiful, like, we are all here to dive deeper into our faith. But we're also here to have a lot of fun, which we 100% did. And it was just fantastic all around. So those are some of the things that... I mean, you hope for, you wonder if they're going to happen, but to like actually experience them and to see them transform in front of your eyes was pretty remarkable. And then quite frankly, Taylor, to share it with my daughter, um, who's 17 and we're launching out into the world, she leaves for college in the fall, was maybe if I had to chalk up like best life decisions I've ever made, I'd have to put that definitely in the top five. I mean, she just, it was such a good, (laughs) beautiful experience for the two of us. So I loved it. I, l- I love that. How many kids do you have? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> six. That is a given. Okay, I'm talking about other things. <laughs> I knew you were going to so, bring that up. Uh, as it, soon as that came out day, of my mouth, I should have said kids
0: ten. Going on vacation
1: with the 17 year old. One of those is getting knocked out. <laughs> That's and then awesome. don't forget my husband. Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah. They know what I mean. Um, yeah, it was just, <laughs> man, like we just there were a lot of really special moments that she and I shared on that trip and I, I won't ever forget them.
0: That's great. I'm, I'm just now realizing that like one of your first shows as co-host on the show was talking about your trip to Rome. You go too many places. I, I was like, why does you some know, of this sound familiar? And I'm like, wait, we did this when you did your family trip to Rome, like three months ago. Talk about bougie.
1: <laughs> I was actually just getting ready to say, I hope that your listeners will think, well, Catherine's leaving on another, I'll tell you where I'm going next week college station like that's as exciting as my life gets that's the other holy land but um (laughs) we don't normally travel like this like we take Mm -hmm. road trips but Mm -hmm. I'm not normally getting on an airplane and Mm -hmm. flying internationally so my life I'm sorry Taylor for the next 18 months at least you're gonna be like you're boring. I need a new co-host. No, no. Now that you have
0: tattoos, you're going to become a multi-natural, oh. multi, <laughs> multi-platinum recording artist and travel the globe. I've secured my spot. <laughs> praise the Lord. We need to, we need to get a picture of you flexing your bicep tattoo and Father Rob Galea flexing his bicep tattoo, and they'll be they'll look exactly the same. We'll be like, guess X. whose arm is which.
1: <laughs> Except I'm going to need to pump some serious iron yeah. for my biceps to be as big as his. Yeah, like or, yeah there's a few priests that I can think of that I'm like, I'm going to need. Actually, when my 19-year-old comes home this summer, he has a whole workout plan because I was like, John Paul, I want, some, I want some arms this summer. And he's like, all right, I got you, Mom. So he's got weights up in his room. So I'm going to be up there lifting with my 19-year-old this summer. So, I mean, save the spot for me and Father Rob <laughs> later this yeah, fall. Maybe yeah. I'll show you my biceps. <laughs> uh
0: okay so let's talk about uh holy week stuff so where'd you go that connected with holy week sp- sp- specifically
1: pretty much everywhere i mean we did the palm Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you name it we did a palm sunday walk we did and then of course um did people lay down palms
0: for you to walk walk upon so your feet did? no one, we were not that bougie were you riding <laughs> we on that an ass bougie.
1: nope <laughs> <laughs> but i'm gonna leave that one alone um <laughs> Um, and then Thursday, I mean, obviously we went to the upper room where the disciples uh, were with Jesus. Uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, the house of Kaphas where he was in prison. Wait,
0: the upper room, like so that's not one that I've heard that you can like actually go to. Like it's the original upper room, like you actually got to go there.
1: So in some of the places that you go in the Holy Land, you'll hear things like, We think this is the place or this is this would be close to what we think. So so that would be one of them that they're like, we think this is the area like there are like the Garden of Gethsemane, some of the trees that you see there look like they could be really old. I don't know if they're two thousand years old, but it certainly gives you the idea of like what that garden looks like. So visually you can you can see that. And there's a spot actually, um, it's actually up at Dominus Flavit. So when they talk about Jesus um seeing Jerusalem and, and weeping, um, that's where he's standing. So you can see Um, basically everything in the Holy Land when it comes to Holy Week of what what that last week of his life looks like. Uh, There's the Via Dolorosa where you actually walk the actual stations of the cross. And so when you're up there um, on the Mount of Olives at Dominus Flavit, you can actually see spatially like he was here and then he walked here and then he did this. So it all comes together that you can see all the places where he was. And for me, that was sort of the end of the trip. So we were able to sort of see how it all Played out visually right in front of us. So now when I read the scriptures, I mean, I guess there were some things that I thought maybe seemed bigger or, or maybe they're smaller. Like the Garden of Gethsemane, I, I would say is the only place that looked like I thought it would. And not because I'd watched like Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, but um, it's the only place that in my mind looked similar. Everything else I was like, hmm. like the Sea of Galilee, for example, Really should be called the Lake of Galilee, because you can stand on the shore and you can see the whole you can see the whole thing. So I'm thinking in my mind when Jesus walks on water that he's like in the ocean, but that's not the case. He did walk on water. there was a storm, but it looks very different when you're actually standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. So that kind of stuff, I think I don't know I don't think the right word is surprised. I think it crystallized what I had had in my mind. So now when I read scripture, I'm like, oh, okay, so we were standing here, and this is about the place. So Perum is a place that we went, and then, of course, Friday, um, you know, the Stations of the Cross, we—obviously, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is probably the holiest place for Christians and, and certainly Catholics in the Holy Land. So I wasn't prepared to see. Calvary, so where Jesus is crucified, where they prepare his body for burial, and the tomb, it's all in the same church. You're like 20 feet away. And in my mind, you know, when you read scripture, you're like, mountaintop, you know, tomb, like, these are like super far away, but they are not super far away at all. So that that church is a pretty powerful place in the Holy Land. I mean, I think if you asked anybody, Taylor, like, what's the most impactful part, I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a Catholic that wouldn't put the Holy Sepulchre at the top of the list. I mean, it's the source and summit of our faith right there. So
0: that was but pretty yet, exceptional. Yeah. We started with nine minutes on tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> you started with tattoos. I was ready. No, make... I started with South Dakota. <laughs>
1: fair.
0: fair. Uh, okay. So you, you had mentioned that, you, you know, like I, I've heard of a few people that come back from the Holy land. They're like, it says it completely changes how they interact with scripture, how they read scripture, how they interact with readings. Which, like, yes, we're literally in Holy Week where these readings are coming up. So, uh, you said you've all you have already experienced Palm Sunday since since the trip. You have not yet experienced, uh, you know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and either Saturday or Sunday. You know, which, whichever day you want Jesus to rise, you get to pick by which mass you go to. Uh, but what are you looking forward to in this Holy Week? Uh, like that you, that you experienced from the trip, like something where you're like, I'm really looking forward to this or this, um, um, this is one of the things that I've really been thinking about heading into this week.
1: Well, I actually think it was something that my pastor, um, father Tom said, so he was in the Holy land last March. So about a year ago. And he said, if there was ever a year for you to do the trip him, this would be the year. So I plan on doing Holy Thursday, Good Friday, um, going to the vigil and then getting up with the chickens and going to 7.30 AM Mass at our parish. Um, I think just I think walking in That's quite a quadrium
0: frankly, if you're going twice. It, yes.
1: <laughs> well, I really yeah, we'll come back to that in a second. But I think <laughs> I think that walking into that with no expectations. Like I think I think of all the things that I took from the Holy Land. As, as deeply as Scripture and prayer and all of that has changed, I think my interactions with people have changed. Um, and I think that maybe that was what I needed to take from the Holy Land is how I interact with other people and maybe the, the charity that I give them. And so I think as I enter into the Triduum, I think I'm really looking forward to just being just knowing that I have been there, and then and then to come all the way back, and no matter where you are in the world, you celebrate the same Mass, you hear the same readings, and to me that feels really full circle to know that whether I am in Jerusalem or whether I am in Austin, that what I hear on the Triduum will be the same. I think I— I mean, I think it was a year ago, I did, an, actually, speaking of Father Rob, I did an interview with him, and I was asking him, I said, of the Triduum, like, what's your favorite of all pieces of that particular Mass? What's your favorite part? And he said, um, Good Friday. He said, it's when I walk in uh, to the tabernacle and see that it's empty. And he said, like, this ache that I have, and he said, and I just rest my head on the tabernacle and... That, that whole interview of, of him talking about, you know, this uh, longing that we have to be unified with Christ. And th- he said it much more eloquently than I am. But I think maybe it will be Friday. I mean, Friday's always been the service that meant the most to me. grown up Protestant, we did. The Holy Thursday, Monday, Thursday kind of thing, and then skipped over, and then basically it was Easter. So for me, Good Friday has always symbolized like the uniquely Catholic part, and maybe that's the part that I'm looking forward to the most, um, the absence of Christ and the longing for him for Easter Sunday. Sorry, so that got that, deep it's fast. A, it's,
0: a, it's a weird answer. What are you looking forward to this Holy Week? The absence of Christ!
1: <laughs> I know. I thought about it as I said answer. that, but it's true. It's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got too much Christ in the
0: Holy Land. I'm looking forward to a break on Friday.
1: (laughs) Like this, like, I think it's like the complete and total surrender. You know, we don't like to give up control in our lives. And so to surrender that to a Lord that loves us deeply feels very vulnerable. Yeah. So it's not usually a place that I feel comfortable, but I mean, why the heck not? It's Holy Week.
0: And I, you said you didn't say it as eloquently as Father Rob. I think you said it just as eloquently. It just sounds better when he says it because he has an accent. It has nothing. You have a very deep Texas, I do too, but Texas not as good accent, as his. But it's not as cool as his. He's got that like That's uh, Middle European, or you know, I guess it's Maltese. Eastern, Euro- Eastern European slash Australia. There's nobody with an accent quite like him. Uh, there's a few people with an accent like you. But they just don't usually allow them to talk on on camera. <laughs> they've
1: banned them from podcasts <laughs> yeah exactly
0: exactly oh man it, what's really funny uh to close out this beautiful uh conversation about holy week uh we're gonna end by talking about your accent uh you know i, I have i don't know if i've told you this on air before uh maybe we have and maybe we're maybe i talked about it and the last time we talked about it was well, the last time we talked about a trip that you went on three months ago when you went to rome uh, but the little clips that i make of of every episode we have a there's like AI that like, re, like listens to it and gives captions and it gets mine correct. Like 85% of the time, and it doesn't know you're mine. a human being. It doesn't even know that you're speaking English. It's like, what is she even doing? It's like, Hey, this is Taylor saying, hello, welcome to Day Catholic. How are you? And then it's just like, Beep, burp, 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 burp. that, that like was yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all ones and zeros. Oh my so. gosh.
1: Well, someone asked me, they're like, Hey, don't you know that Instagram, like you can fix the captions. And I'm like, lady, if I spent all that time fixing captions on Instagram, I'd never have time to get on Instagram. Like it's just, so I figure it's like a fun little pay attention game. Like, um, it is fun (laughs) because it
0: makes you say things you definitely didn't say. And we've talked about some of those because you, you definitely wouldn't have said what you said
1: some of those times. Sometimes I do have to. Like go back and read them be like, um, or sometimes when I say us, I C E, it thinks that I'm cussing and it like, you know, like bleeps it out. I'm like, no, I was just saying us, but yeah, whatever, whatever Instagram. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: Well, good. I'm glad that you enjoyed your trip. I'm glad that you didn't come back with a, uh, uh, you know, Holy land accent. You still got that good old Southern Texas accent. Um, I'm looking forward to Holy Week, too, but I'm looking forward to the opposite way. I've had enough absence of Christ this Lent. I'm looking forward to having a non-absence of Christ. So we're going into— uh, you You're going in with very different expectations than I am into our holy WEAK. So uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your trip. And like honestly, it's going to take me a few days to get used to Catherine being a person that has a tattoo. I, like, I, I think I thought I was a little bit cooler than you, and now that's over. It's just over. Like, there's just no... I have no chance anymore. (laughs) Because I can't even get a tattoo because I'm too fat and hairy. I look stupid.
1: (laughs) You know what? I'm going to tell you what Allison told you. Don't say that about yourself, Taylor. I love you just the way that you are. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But you... You wouldn't talk to your kids that way or you wouldn't talk to your wife that way. So... I, I...
0: I... I am honest with people. I talked to, like, I had a conversation with one of my athletes the other
1: day. I was like, look, you need to start working a little bit harder. You're getting a little pudgy. So I am honest with people. I think that you are honest with people, but I think that you're more harsh on yourself than you are on other people.
0: Yeah, because I'm the worst person I know. Taylor.
1: (laughs) It's all, it all scales very well. (laughs) I need Allison to back me up here. Yeah, that's what you should do sometime. You should have, we should do... We should gang up on you. You should put the two of us together and do an interview with you. That sounds no. terrible. You're you're already shaking your head. You're like, absolutely not. She actually just asked me, like, "Hey, I've got this friend in town. Do you want to do
0: an episode together?" I'm like, "No, I just I just want to talk to people one on one. It's just so much easier. So much easier." We love and, you, Taylor. Well, uh, that thank you. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> If you're finding yourself uh, here this Holy Week off of work with some extra time, well, might I suggest that you check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ForteCatholic. Not only do we have entire full-length episodes of this show where you can watch, not just hear us, uh, but we also have um, some great other series like our Catholic Foundation series, which is our Catholicism 101, Introduction to Catholicism. So we have... um, an introduction to what is the church what's the mission of the church the sacraments uh the moral life mary we we answer um a, a lot of like basic questions and it, it's myself and one of my really good friends uh so i hope that you'll enjoy those videos whether you're new to catholicism or you just want a little bit of a refresher uh she has a master's degree and i have half of one so hopefully you can learn something over there we also have our a catholic perspective series where we look at some of our favorite movies tv shows books uh and, and talk about those so we've got a lot of your uh, favorite uh, entertainment and media over there that uh, we share f- about from a catholic worldview through a Catholic lens. We've also got uh, talks and music and all sorts of stuff over at youtube.com slash forte catholic. Go ahead and subscribe and check out all the great things that we have going on over there. Welcome back to Fort Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and that is Catherine Holier Than Thou Whitaker. <laughs> wow. wow, I quit, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So uh, actually nice little transition that I didn't even really intend. I knew that like the bulk of what we're gonna talk about today was your trip to the to the to the holy land uh and something that i've been focusing on the last uh, couple of weeks is actually something uh it was a video that came out when i was in college by a guy who has now been like canceled by the christian world did you ever did you ever know who rob bell was did you ever hear a rob
1: bell oh that name sounds familiar
0: like when i was in college he was like top five protestant pastor you know making videos and speakers it's like you know like i knew like 10 prominent you know Protestant pastor you know like televangelist speakers whatever right. and he was one of the like top five that I knew um and I just thought about your top five list from last segment and it made me laugh I didn't even mean to do that uh but he he had this video series and it was called um the, this particular one was called breathe and I don't agree with uh um I didn't agree with everything he said back then I don't agree with almost anything he says now but this like four minute video called breathe uh I think it was called it was pneuma which you know a lot of people know now is you know the the Greek word for for breath um we know that because of him like he's the one that made it popular like in you know the scripture scholars like oh we've known it for years I'm like yeah you're a nerd you don't no, have because tattoos. you've been studying a yeah. whole lot that's right <laughs> um but he talks about the the rua the breath in the old testament and the pneuma the breath in the New Testament and uh, the story that he used was the story of Moses uh, and the burning bush, which is a story that we've all heard a bunch of times. Like, it's a, it's one of those stories that, like, makes the childhood cut. Like, we all le- heard that whenever we were little kids. It's like, makes hey, the there's childhood. a burning bush. You know, like, you know, like, you know, there's all those little, you know, it's like we pick eight stories that are palpable for the kids from the Old Testament. That's one of them. And... He's talking about that story, which is, yes, a story we've all heard a ton of times, but it was a realization that it stuck with me since then. It's been over a decade since I've been in college, and it, this has stuck with me ever since then, that Moses, so Moses, you know, he was born, put into a, ba- wicker, a ba- wicker basket, pushed down the stream, raised by the Egyptians, became second command, blah, 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 uh, but then he kills an egyptian right that's that's the book of exodus in like four seconds so i was gonna kills say somebody. that's pretty good that's pretty good thank Taylor. you <laughs> thank you um i give talks on salvation history pretty pretty often and you have to put like four thousand years in 30 minutes so i've got it down pretty pretty tight you know uh the cliff notes yeah exactly exactly um <laughs> uh, so he kills a guy and he has to flee he's gone for 30 years that's a long time from when he kills the guy before he comes back and says, let my people go. Like he's an old man when he comes back uh, and he's he becomes like a farmer. He gets married. And he, he meets his family, blah, blah, blah. He becomes this farmer. He's, he's like a, a shepherd or sh- Yeah, a shepherd farmer. Right. And he's walking around. And you know how animals graze back before there were fences. You know, they just go wherever they want. And the shepherd goes with them. And they make like these loops. And what uh, Rob Bell pointed out was like, this is a loop that Moses would have done multiple times over the course of 30 years so he's walking around you know let, let's just for for arguments sake let's just say it's like a five mile radius right so how often are you going to walk in a five mile radius around your house pretty often over the course of 30 years right like multiple times a week multiple times a month like depending on how you're farming and how you're walking right it's a lot is the point point. and uh whenever god starts talking to moses through the burning bush he says moses take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground and that's like the part that yeah we all we've all heard that story yeah it's all very nice we've all made weed references about the burning bush it's all it's all fun and games we're all used to this part right but the part i wasn't used to was that moses had been walking on that holy ground for 30 years and didn't recognize it hmm. right it's not like the the ground just became holy 30 years it's not like god's presence was not there what? for 30 years it's just like moses either there's multiple options. He wasn't ready to see it or God wasn't ready to reveal reveal himself, or things hadn't gotten bad enough in Egypt or whatever that God was, whatever. Right. But from like a, like a human perspective, it's like it was holy ground that whole time. And he just didn't recognize it until God made a bush burn and started talking out of it for Moses to realize that he was standing on holy ground. So uh, it hit me during this last part of Lent where I'm like, Where are those places where I'm walking constantly and God is there and it's holy ground and I'm just not treating it as such or not Mm -hmm. recognizing it as such?
1: I'm sitting here like, please don't make me answer this question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the question is, the question that I have for myself, uh, the question that I, there's really two, there's really two questions. One, they're both serious questions, but the second one gets even more serious, right? But where is a place in your life where you have encountered God, where you didn't expect him, right? So I I think a lot of people come on to podcasts or give talks. They're like, oh, I went to adoration. I had a great experience. Or, you know, those people who are talking all the time who are like, oh, I went to Rome and and Israel and I had an experience with God, you know? Uh, But there's other people who have, it's like, I was driving in my car, listening to the radio and I had an experience with God. Or I was... Uh, washing dishes and that experience of God, or I, you know, made a grilled cheese sandwich and it came out with Jesus' face on it or whatever. Right. So like, where is the place, where has there been a place in your life where you found God in a place that you didn't really expect?
1: Actually. So we have this tradition that whenever one of us goes out of town, the, we always go out on a date, my husband and I, and, and like say like, this is what happened. And we like recap it and like relive it. And it's really great. And so when I went on the pilgrimage to Israel, Scott was like, all right, so when you come back, we're going to go to dinner. I want to hear all the things. And we went to this great little place up in Georgetown, which is north of Austin. And we're eating and we kind of notice like our server, I mean, she's around, but she's not really around. And we're kind of like, well, oh, the service is okay. And then... She comes up to the table and says something. And, and at that point, we were talking about our kids. And she was like, oh, you're on a date. You're not supposed to talk about your kids. And I was like, oh, we were just mentioning this one thing. I said, really, we're here because I just got back from Israel. And she said, and then all of a sudden, Taylor, like this person who was not interested in giving us our food, not really interested in being around, all of a sudden, she like sets the little book down that has like the receipts and everything. She sets it down on the table. And she's like, "What? what was it like? And for the next 10 minutes, we talk about our faith and God and Israel. And she was fascinated. She's like, I've never heard of Christians going to Israel before, because I think in some people's mind, um, you're only you only go there if you're Jewish or you only go there if you're Muslim. And so ensued the next 10 minutes us talking about our faith. And I'm like, I was literally here just to share all this with my husband, never expecting that the gal that was bringing us our martinis and old fashions was going to be the one that we were going to have. And she just, it was one of those, lot, but she walked away and my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, wow, God really is everywhere. It was awesome. And we were just in our own little, like we were in our own little space, not realizing that maybe we had an opportunity um, to invite someone else into that conversation. And it was beautiful.
0: Yeah. I actually have one that I, I wasn't even planning on sharing, but you started talking about uh, a restaurant. I had one that I haven't thought about in forever when I was on the other side of the table. I was the server. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I was a server at Applebee's in good old Steubenville, Ohio, right? And when, you know, it's relatively busy, I would have like four to six tables, depending on, you know, six tables during the day. And like, you know, we, we would split on Friday, Saturday night. We all had four because we were busy, right? Um, but, During like the lunch, lunchtime, it'd be busy from like, you know, 11 to one or whatever. But then this little lady, little old lady came in all by herself at like on a slow day. So I had like one other table out of like the five or six that I had in my section that day. And this little old lady comes in and um, I forget how it came up. I don't know if I was like, is anybody else joining you or or, or whatever? Right. Um, But she she just started. I, I took her order, so I'm just like going through my my normal thing. I'm at work. I'm just like, hi, I'm Taylor. Welcome to Applebee's. I'm gonna be your server. What can I get for you? Right, bring her a drink or whatever. It was over a decade ago, so I don't I don't remember how it started, but I remember doing the thing that they tell all servers not to do. And she's sitting in her booth at Applebee's at like 1:15 in the afternoon, and however it came up her husband had just passed away like a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and they used to always come to this applebee's once a week and that's where they had their you know like once a week date and she was there alone either first time second time like it was was still pretty recent and i only had one other table so i would just go in and check on them make sure that they were okay but i sat with her and i had i didn't eat lunch with her but she had her food i waited on her but like i was like do you want like I just started talking to her. She's like, you want me to sit down? She's like, sure. So like we sat there and talked and it was like this encounter with like, like one that I could be of service in a faith way when I was just trying to be of service to make a tip, right. When I was just trying to make money. Right. But also like, It was just this like, oh, wow, like if I was just busy and work, if it it would have happened at a busy time, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have had that moment. I wouldn't have had that experience. It would have just been like, what do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? (laughs) You know, I'll say I'll be really nice so that you'll give me a nice tip. Right. Um, I haven't thought about that moment in quite some time. You started talking about the one at uh, with with yours. And I was like, hey, I have one as a server.
1: That's nice. But, you know, some of our most profoundly impactful conversations have been with our servers. We started doing this, and I'd like to say that it was because it was us, but it was another friend. We saw him do it. Uh, when they bring out the food, he always would look at the server and say, hey, we're getting ready to bless our food. Is there anything that we can pray for you for? And inviting them. In. And it always takes them off guard, um, because I don't think that's a question that they get often. But it's sort of like it it cracks the door open. Like, we're not going to be those pushy, weird Christian people. but. Just know that this is a safe place for you to be prayed for and for you to be appreciated. And it is, it has opened the door for Jesus to like bring himself into that conversation so many times in a very, you know, non-threatening way. And they're people, right? And so it's like this really vulnerable, like, I don't know, it, but but it's also you're not putting them on the spot because hey, they have other people that they have to serve. But just for a moment, you kind of get to. See Jesus there And it's pretty great I love it It's one of my favorite Things to do And we didn't even Ask her that question It just sort of came up I love Taylor though That you took the time That you felt called enough To be like You know what I'm just going to sit down And it probably She probably has never Forgotten that
0: Oh she's probably dead
1: No No, she's not. I bet. I mean, even if she, she is, she was, even she if was, she is. She
0: was like 80
1: at the time, and it's been 12 years. I think she's gone. <laughs> Maybe not. But if not, she's definitely telling people in heaven about you. Yeah, I love that. Well, yeah. Please
0: let him, man. He was nice to me once. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, it's interesting because I, I was thinking about even how I worded the question. I'm like, oh, yeah, typically we have it at church or in adoration or at mass or at, in the Holy land or whatever. And I was thinking about uh last Holy week. And I shared about this a year ago on the show. So if you remember everything that I said from a year ago, congratulations, that's awesome. Uh, But for those, the rest, you know, the other 99% of you that don't remember this um last Holy week, last Holy Thursday, I cried in church and that's not something I don't think I've ever done in church. Uh And it was, it was, Long story short, people who have been listening to the show for a while know that things at our parish were rough for a lot of years for a lot of different reasons um so i for a lot of years, I found it hard to not to go to church, and even when I went, it was like I know I'm supposed to be here, but I like couldn't even like try to whatever you know like i i i was not expecting to have a holy experience at church which is wild right because that's that's like the the stereotypical place where you go to have an experience it's like a given yeah right Yeah, yeah. yeah so it did kind of come out of this like out of the out of nowhere like a burning bush um we started singing the gloria on on holy thursday which is the first time that you sing it for a very long time yeah there's a couple of feast days or whatever but like we haven't been singing it uh on Sundays at the big celebrations for, since Ash Wednesday um, and the the whole church. I mean, it, it was the, the loudest it ever meant. You could like feel the healing, not only in myself, but like in the rest of the church, in the congregation, like the priests were there that were awesome. It was just this like huge goosebumps moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling God and having a connection with God and I'm feeling God's presence in this place that I haven't forever, even though that place used to be the primary place to encounter God, right? So I think a lot of people uh, have similar situations in their churches where it's like, church is hard to go to, whether it's because of family or because of the priest or because of the boring homilies or the bad music or whatever it is, right? Um, I like that you said that you're going in with no expectations for this Holy week because I wasn't expecting anything. And that wasn't an intentional choice. I wasn't expecting anything because I hadn't received anything in years. And then I finally did. And it was this really special moment. So like, I'm going to do the Triduum stuff this, this, this week too. Uh, But I am looking, like I said earlier, for that presence of Christ. I want to feel something like that again, you know, Um, because things aren't as bad as they were, but they have been a little bit dry recently. So I'm going into this Holy week looking for like, the whole thing of like, oh yeah, we don't go to church for mass for us. We go there to the glorify God. It's like, yeah, but it's nice to receive something. Like I, the whole boldly approach the throne of grace. Like I do want to receive something uh, sure. this Holy Week.
1: Yeah, I mean, also want to speak into that desolation just a little bit because I think sometimes, I don't know, maybe Taylor, somebody's listening to this and they really are like in a in a area or a season of their life where God feels very far away or church is really hard to go to. Um, Or maybe the people that they're sitting next to or the priest that's preaching or whatever it is just does not feel like Jesus. Um, I think I'm going to go back to Father Rob for a minute and say, like, if that's how you feel, um, I think it was something that our, our priest said this weekend, but I have heard said many times before that there's nowhere that we go that God hasn't already been there first. And so when you think of Good Friday and like the absolute, I mean, he's... Hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think that a lot of us can identify with that, and so I think it's okay if you go and you're like, I am getting absolutely nothing because eventually God will show up. He will, you there will be a moment that you will be, um, surprised, I think, by the enormous amount of love, and it may take months, years, decades, I don't know, but. I just know that in that desolation of Friday, um, that it, that that's not the end. That's like the middle of the story and it ends. You know, we all know how the story ends. But I think when you can walk into a parish or into a, a religious setting and just say seriously, like whatever God wants, like hands raised, whatever God wants, knowing that he's going to give you what it is that you need in that moment and trusting in that, um, I think is maybe the biggest um I think it's the biggest hurdle of our faith because we want to feel Jesus, right? Like on Easter people are like I need to feel some Jesus today and maybe you're maybe Easter Sunday's really hard for you. Maybe you're missing somebody in the pew that should be there. Um but it's so comforting to know that we don't just go straight from happy to happy like we don't just go straight from the birth of Jesus at Christmas to the resurrection at Easter and there's no hard stuff in between i'm always and I, and if i had to say if there was anything that turned the tables for me and being catholic it was the fact that we identified and embraced the suffering first before we rejoiced in the resurrection because it means something easter means something it's not just this like beautiful little holiday where we hunt for easter eggs and put on cute dresses like there's there's some suffering that leads be wearing us to wear a there. cute dress this weekend. Though. I sure hope you are. I was getting ready to say what color is your dress? Like what's your color theme, Taylor? It's it's a it's like a, a muted yellow. Muted yellow. Did you choose yeah. that or did your lovely it, wife choose it, that? There
0: there's there's, there's a, with my eyes there's a little bit of yellow in my eyes and it really makes them pop when I wear that dress. So. Nice. <laughs> um okay, so we we talked about Moses and uh the burning bush, right? So like one of the one of the connections to that story that you were kind of, kind of picking back off, off what you just said is that Moses, um, where was God for that whole thirty years? Because I would imagine that it felt like God had abandoned him because you know God had uh, wow. saved him as a baby and built him up to be you know second to Pharaoh and had this life. and then he killed somebody and it's like okay I guess I screwed it up I'm gone from God now and he just went and hid for thirty years and in the, in the uh, being a shepherd and. But where was god that whole 30 years he was still there it's just like moses didn't recognize him for whatever reason right so it's like there are even when we feel like we're far from god or we whether we did something that we that we think god you know we can't come to god because we did something so bad or things were just so dry out in the desert like moses was right um but uh the second part of this story that really hit me this is where we get to the hard question which i texted you uh my gosh uh, I was like, wait,
1: that wasn't the hard question. No. Did you text me this?
0: I, I did earlier. Where is a consistent place in your life where you are not seeing God? So like, like a category. So what I mean is like Moses wasn't seeing God while he was at work, right? He was shepherding. He was hurting, right? Um, and it's like, yeah, I, do, I think we, we encounter God in our relationships with our family and our friendships and our like, you know, like the podcast or going to mass or in our marriage or with one of your five favorite children. Like there's a lot of different places where we experience God, but I think there's some other places where we are kind of like Moses before the burning bush where 30 years are just kind of like, we're just like walking around like, so it could be something that isn't like i have spiritual experiences watching tv cuz there's there's a lot of times where like something really connects to me as a father or me as a son or me as a husband right but like a lot of times when i'm like playing video games when i'm playing basketball when i'm uh having conversations with certain people where god isn't even a factor in the whole thing right where it's like i kind of need a break from god so i'm going to go do this thing and so I'm, I'm asking myself this question over the last couple of weeks. I don't really have a good answer uh, to how, of how to fix it, but it's like, where are the places where we are walking around and not noticing God, even though he's there?
1: You first. <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs>
0: I, think, I think a lot of times for, for me, uh, you know, video games, a lot of time are my escape. So like, there are certain times where I'm playing video games and it's perfectly fine. It is just a normal means of entertainment. But there's other times where I am playing video games instead of having a hard conversation or playing video games instead Mm. of praying or playing video games instead of uh, like a lot of times I'm overplaying when I'm stressed because I just like and it's not like I'm being lazy. Like a lot of times I play video games a lot after I've had the longest day of work because I'm stressed out. I'll work for 13, 14 hours a day and then I'll play video games for the other three or four. Right. Where it's like. But I didn't handle anything else in my life, right? Where I didn't handle like my personal health, I didn't handle uh relationships. Well, I didn't handle my prayer life well, right? Um I so I think for me it's primarily video games as like as like my solution for being stressed instead of like going to prayer or dealing with other things that might be stressful like, you know, answering that phone call or calling that person back or dealing with this stressful situation or whatever. Um and I think a lot of times too it is it's been a work in progress, but like I love sports before I loved God. So a lot of times when I'm around sports, I am acting and saying things that I typically wouldn't say if I was in church mode or I was in whatever mode. Right. So those are two areas for me.
1: Oh, this means I have to admit hard things on the podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think in some ways, Taylor, so one of the things that I gave up for lunch was being on my phone before I got in the shower. So basically when I get up, um, that I spend time with my kids, uh, go work out, like that my phone is not a factor. In other words, like being present. Because I think like you, sometimes it's like this, it's this thing that, that you start to pick up and then before you know it, it's become this habit, but it's not really a positive habit. It's like this default so that you're not dealing with like... Am I spending some time like thanking God for, you know, this new day that we have? Or am I listening to my kids because they're struggling with something, but I'm too focused on like checking my email or responding to text messages? So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that sometimes social media, sometimes the phone can become this, uh, this like other appendage that you feel like needs equal, like, Real estate in your heart, and instead you're like, Why do I keep picking this stupid thing up when I'm just like it's like a thing to do um and yeah, I think that's one area you know, maybe I'll speak for all the women out there sometimes um when I'm dealing with a an issue like something like I need advice from people what should what should start out is, hey, I'm like seeking your counsel or your advice on this' turns into, and, and, it, and it can be a, like a really fruitful, like God-filled thing. And then sometimes it becomes this, I don't even think gossip is, I think that's being too nice. Like, I think it turns into this, like, oh, well, we're going to talk about this person and really it's their problem and, you know, like, whatever, like, I can't believe they did this. And and then it becomes this terrible thing. And I keep thinking, I don't think that's glory. Like, I don't think that conversation is not only, not is it, not only is it not glorifying God, it's not speaking very well of like my character, and Lord, I hate admitting that um i think I think sometimes we go in with with this uh this idea that we need good counsel and good wisdom, and somehow Satan and our own our own selves stirs that into a place instead of it being a really fruitful opportunity to look at your look at our own decisions and correct those or maybe help someone through a difficult time and instead it turns into this thing where it's not fruitful it's damaging to someone's soul as well as our own and um and i think just taking a hard long look at that and saying like how charitable am i being and how merciful am i being and how judgmental am i being and none of that is fruitful for our souls um Yay. I'm so glad I admitted that on your yeah, you podcast, Taylor.
0: You did it. I am so, I'm so I, I yeah. like how you spoke for all women, even though I said I'm going to be wearing a dress this Sunday. Like I feel like <laughs> I'm tailoring a dress. I should have some say for women, but fine. I guess you can have it. Um, but I think those are good questions as we're, as we're, um, I mean, yeah, we're through Sunday of Holy week. Right. But you know, for the rest of the week, for the rest of the last couple of days of Lent, if you're listening to this on the few days it comes out, or if you're listening to it, uh, throughout the triduum those are those are the kind of the questions that I'm focusing on this week and some suggestions that I have for you like where where is god in your life where you may not notice him like he might be there like you might there might be a burning bush waiting right next to you and you haven't noticed it where are the places where you're not recognizing that god's already there and he's there where are the places um in your life where you're not allowing yourself to see to see god there that's that's kind of my question for this week, um, I hope that you guys have a have a fantastic Holy Week. I had this image, and I'm not sure if you're going to like it, Catherine, but it's how we're going to end. So you can hang up whenever this is done. So anyway. it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you've got a month to recover from it. But I was thinking about uh, going. Fo- we we brought up Father Rob way too many times unintentionally that we have to end the show with him. And the image that I have in my in my in my head is that for years we this episode has been our Holy Week episode W E A K because I always feel like I'm kind of limping into into holy week after land, right um so i i imagined uh, this like we're not gonna do it but i think it'd be very funny to put a picture of you flexing on one side it says holy w-e-a-k and then his arm with his tattoo on the other side holy strong so that's that's my dumb idea to end this show with.
1: <laughs> well are Father you saying <laughs> I'm really glad that I like Father Rob. There's some things that I would do for him that I would not do for you, Taylor. But maybe I'll maybe I'll do that for you. I'm thinking I'm not going to do it right now. But do you want me to do a still photo later? A few flexes. It'd be so no. That funny. way I can. That, that way can I can Photoshop it. it. We, we, yeah, I, I was about to say this,
0: this. Look, you can take the picture. You can send it to me if you want. But it's your pre summer workout with your son picture. You have to have a pre and post picture for that. Fair. So you go ahead okay. and take the pre-picture. But I think it would be very funny. Now I'm kind of into this idea. We put it up and we use his arm without telling him and then just tag him anywhere and he'll be like, what the heck are y'all doing? It's like, what is going on? I'm trying it's to like, celebrate Holy Week here. Father Rob, we talked about you for an entire hour and we didn't even you weren't in the notes at all. We just both brought you up multiple times. So.
1: isn't that crazy? Well He's a great priest with, um, a lot of, I think, challenging, uh, I think he challenges us to be better Christians. There are lots of great priests out there, and he happens to be one that came to mind. I love that both of us mentioned his name. It wasn't—I did—I looked over my notes. I was like, "Nope, not in my notes either." <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it was just it kind of became a running thing. So, uh, final reminder: pray for your priests this week. They are so yeah. incredibly busy this week. So, uh, pray for for Catherine's bodybuilding experience this summer. Pray for your own Holy Week. Pray for our priests this week. That's Catherine Whitaker. I'm Taylor Stroll. She'll be back next month. I'll be back in a week. Say
1: it.
0: Thank you all for watching and listening today. I hope that you enjoyed it. We had a, a great time recording. We are praying for you here in this Holy Week. We hope that um, that you'll really be able to engage in the triduum Holy Thursday. Good Friday, uh, the Saturday, <laughs> and Easter Sunday. What is it called? Good Sunday? I, what is it, Saturday? I don't know. Um, Quiet Saturday, Uh, lack of presence of Jesus Saturday, I think is what Catherine was calling it. Either way, we are praying for you this week. Please pray for us and we'll see you very soon. Love you.